This podcast is part of the Frederick Podcast Network. Learn more at listenfrederick.com. Welcome to season three of the Big Sci-Fi Podcast with Adina, Brian, Chris, and Steve. The biggest, most fun podcast in the galaxy. This is the Big Sci-Fi Podcast, season three. Greetings, listeners of the Big Sci-Fi Podcast. Today, our guest is slightly different from our typical guest. Well, yes, he's still human, of course, at least as far as I know. I haven't yet met anyone who didn't originate elsewhere than planet Earth. But out of all the people we've talked to, he's the only one that, for reals, lived off the planet for a while because, well, he's an astronaut. Let me introduce Rick Mastracchio. He's been to space four times between 2000 and 2014, and that included time on the U.S. Space Shuttle and on the International Space Station. He's performed nine EVAs and has logged a little over 227 days in space. And I'm super lucky because I get to call him a colleague. Now, what makes Rick different from many of the astronauts I've met over the years is that he's also a bit of a science fiction fan and has spent some of his career consulting on some of our favorite sci-fi shows. In fact, when I met Rick in 2017, the fact that he had done some work with The Expanse came up in one of our early conversations, but I haven't really had a chance to talk to him about it until today. (laughs) So I've been begging him to come and be a guest on our podcast since like last summer. And so he's finally humored me and he finally let me nail him to a date, which happened to be today. So with that, (laughs) welcome. Welcome, Rick. Oh, thanks, Adina. And thanks, uh, Brian and Steve and Chris for having me on the show. And sorry it took so long to get here. And you're right, Adina. I was, uh, I'm from Connecticut. I only work in space. So uh, <laughs> I love it. Yeah. I was fortunate enough to uh, get selected many years ago. And like you said, four missions to the International Space Station. I've been very lucky. So happy so to I've, be here. I've read several interviews where, with you where you, you do talk about getting into math and science at a young age and the path that led to careers in engineering and obviously eventually to NASA. But when, when did, did science fiction play a role in any of that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like what were your favorite shows growing up? Yeah, well, I, I you know, I was, uh, well, of course, you know, Star Trek. My father was always watching the original Star mm-hmm. Trek. And, of course, I don't think I ever knew it other than in repeats, I'll be honest, even though I'm old. And it was probably on when I, it, I still don't remember it in other than repeats. And so to absolutely uh, watch Star Trek with my father. But I was also, uh, read. I read a lot of books. And don't ask me, to, you know, to, to name all the books, but. I read all the, you know, the classic science fiction books, um, you know, Dune, you know, that's probably a little later. But when I was, you know, when I was 10, 12, 14, 16 years old, I was always reading science fiction of some kind. I loved a good, uh, just, you know, goofy people jumping in spaceships and flying around the universe and things like that. And I loved anything having to do with spaceships flying, with airplanes that stuff just was the, was the greatest subject in the world and when we're in science class and we're talking about the planets and things like that. So that just really drew me in. Awesome. Have you kept up with us with Star Trek with all the, the new series? Yes, a little bit. Um, I won't be too honest with it, but <laughs> it seems like every show and every movie now it's time travel and alternate reality. And mm. I'll be honest with you. It's like, the writers are just getting lazy. It seems like, mm. <laughs> you know, they're trying to get too sophisticated. I don't know. They're trying to make it too complicated. I don't know. I, I, I like something a little more, you know, the good guy versus the bad guy thing. Mm-hmm. Interesting. 
I think Steve's biting at the chomp here. Yeah, no, I, Steve, go. No, go. I'm, I, okay, Rick, I am four years older than you. Okay, I'm well, you're six, really I'm, old. I'm, <laughs> look at the hair. Okay, I'm not far behind you. <laughs> My first birthday was the most significant day in the history of space. Okay, it was October fourth, nineteen fifty-seven. What right. happened that day? Uh, is that Sputnik? Yep. Yeah. My dad always would say to me, "Your, you know, your birthday is Sputnik Day." Yeah. And from that point on, and as I grew up, like yourself, going through the Mercury, Gemini, Apollo yeah. missions, into the space shuttle, watching all that happen, and I have a real astronaut that I'm talking to right now. That is like, that is the equivalent of, I got to meet Richard Petty. Oh yes, I did one time at a NASCAR race. I mean, <laughs> of course, of course did. you did, yeah. Of course, you meet everybody. <laughs> yeah. to, meet, to meet someone who actually did it, like you did, four times in space. One of the questions I threw at Adina is, and, I, and I'll ask you the question, of the different spacecraft you've flown on, right. you've flown on three different of the uh, shuttles, the mm -hmm. Discovery, the Atlantis, and the Endeavor, which yep. is in my backyard, so happily to have to say. Very cool. Is there a favorite one of those three that you liked? Yeah, I get that question every once in a while, and you really can't tell much in the difference between the vehicles. Um, I, now, I, I can remember on my first shuttle mission on Atlantis, Mm -hmm. And we were re-entering the atmosphere, and we're doing these series of of roll maneuvers to control the the cross range with the with the landing site, mm -hmm. and and it, of course it was a great light show. But not only that, but the vehicle was like creaking and groaning, you know. And I'm uh -huh. like, is it supposed to do that? <laughs> not sure. I heard that on my other two missions, but who knows? Maybe it's just because I was you know the first time and I was hearing things, or who knows. <laughs> But, Did they say to you uh, before you made reentry, uh, would you please put your seat in the upright position and yeah. your tray table in the <laughs> locked position? Yeah, just for fun. More, yeah, there's about 40 other steps besides those things. Yeah. <laughs> and then I also put in a question too on that. How was going on the Russian Soyuz, oh, which boy. is the Lada of spacecraft? Yeah, versus this, which is versus the uh, shuttle, which is the Corvette of spacecraft. Right. Yeah. That's yeah. I usually use a little different analogy, but the same <laughs> same concept. Right. Space shuttle is like is the Corvette, the, the the Cadillac. It's the it's the most luxurious spacecraft ever built, and mm -hmm. probably won't be matched for a hundred years. Who knows mm -hmm. when mm -hmm. something as good as a space shuttle it was a very versatile vehicle, reusable. Of course, we always we think Elon Musk invented reusability. But the space shuttle was long before that. Mm -hmm. uh, but space shuttle was a fantastic vehicle. I grew up on the space shuttle. I was an engineer on the space shuttle. I was a flight yeah. controller on the space shuttle and getting to fly the space shuttle. You know, I invested 10 years of my life just getting to the point or even probably 15 years to get to my first mission. So it was a thrill to fly it. And it was just a joy to be uh, involved in it. It was just a coolest it looks cool right when you're Absolutely. reading science fiction it's like that's like the sexy cool looking spacecraft like an that's airplane. what it's supposed to look like it's supposed to look like an airplane <laughs> that can fly through space you know? yeah it's it's cool you cannot top it um so i really enjoyed those missions and i'm thrilled to have gotten to do that uh, i remember after my first shuttle mission 
Uh -huh. uh, they asked me, hey, do you want to go, uh, you know, you want to go to space station or you want to do another shuttle mission? I said, look, I'll do whatever you tell me to. If there's a seat going into space, I'll jump in it. But I invested a lot of my life on space shuttle. I have a lot of space shuttle knowledge. Mm. So I would like to use that knowledge one more time. So I ended up getting a second uh, mission on the space shuttle. And I came back from that and they kept saying, hey, we need volunteers for space station. We need volunteers for space station. Oh and I kept raising my hand and wow. jumping up and down. Pick me, pick me. I volunteer. And it's like, oh, nobody wants it. Huh? <laughs> right here. And, and then finally got to the point, I went to talk to the head of the office. They look. Now the space station line is longer than the space shuttle line. So I want another space shuttle mission. So as a punishment, I got a third one. I was like, oh, that's a good way to be punished. And then what, they, what about what about the flying up on the Soyuz on the Russian spacecraft? Yeah. How was that in comparison? Very, very different. So after I got back from my third mission, they said, Hey, you know, you you know, you're willing to fly left seat or right seat. So Soyuz has three seats, the commander's in the middle seat. The, mm -hmm. You're the, the co-pilot, let's call it, is, is in the, mm -hmm. the left seat and the kind of a passenger in the right seat. And I said, look, if the seat's going into space, I don't care which seat it is. So so they put me in the left seat. So that means like now I'm the co-pilot of the Soyuz. That means I have to know everything the commander knows. The mm -hmm. commander eats the fish and it goes bad. Then I'm the guy who has to fly the Soyuz. <laughs> so... I spent three years over in Russia. Well, wow. over a three-year period, I was in Russia for one year, you know, broken up in like six or eight weeks at a time. So I basically had to learn. I had started learning Russian uh, after my second space shuttle mission. You know, the end of the program was in sight. And I said, all right, time to start learning Russian so I could be prepared for Soyuz. So I had been studying it for many years. And that's what allowed me to fly in the left seat was my, believe it or not, you know, I'm an engineer. So I could barely speak English sometimes. So learning Russian was, was, was huge you know, oh, effort wow. for me. Uh, so training on the Soyuz was really difficult because not only are you learning, you know, it's rocket science, but you're doing rocket science in Russian, in the Russian language. Everything is in Russian. Wow. You're reading it. You're, you're, you're standing in front of the Russian space committee being drilled by them and, you know, live question and answer period to pass all your exams uh, I mean, my brain was working at 120% to get through that. And then when we would fly, we would train to fly the uh, Soyuz manually. And, you know, I was, I trained to fly the sh space shuttle manually, like for a docking, a manual docking. Mm -hmm. And on the space shuttle, even when you're doing manual docking, you still have automatic attitude control. And basically you're controlling one axis, maybe you're tweaking another axis. Out of the six axes, you're controlling like one. And you got like 12 instruments telling you what to do. Like, hey, put in one pulse to the left. Hey, slow down over here. And it, everything's telling you what to do, even though it's manual. Mm. And the Soyuz, you're, you're, you're flying all six axes. And you you're have to judge the closing rate to 0.15 centimeters per second. Mm. And you have to do it with nothing but your eyeball. You're just like, ah. If you, and if you go too fast, you fail. So you are just... <laughs> It is, it is, it's the hardest thing I ever did was docking that Soyuz space. Oh my gosh. And it's amazing to me that all the pilots, all the, all the, you know, the highly skilled military pilots in the office did not want to fly on the Soyuz. It's just like it was beneath them. And I said, look, guys, really? this is the hardest. This is the most challenging flying you'll ever do in your life in a spacecraft. Huh. Don't the shuttle is a piece of cake compared to this. Wow. So the so bottom line is Soyuz was a blast. It was incredibly challenging. 
but it was just this little small vehicle. And somebody mm. said one time it was very intimate. And I was like, what the, you know, it's like, what does that mean intimate? And I realized what it meant. You're in there and you're like fractions of an inch away from space. Everything is manual. You're doing everything the old fashioned way, so to mm. speak. And you're you're just basically on top of each other with your crewmates. So and you're intimate with space. You're intimate with your crew members. You're intimate with the vehicle. The whole thing is just this uh, very very different experience. It's not luxurious, but let me tell you that little that little capsule that from the 1960s took me up to orbit and got me home safely. So right. you gotta love it for that. Hmm. So, May, oh, go ahead, Adina. Go, no, go, go. I was I was gonna ask you. You've probably been asked this a million times. So forgive me, but what what was it like? the first time you went into outer space? I mean, do you remember what it felt like, what went through your head? Um, Because that that I think so many people dream about that and even long for that or imagine that. And what was it like? Yeah, well, I mean, it's, 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 you know, that's, when I was, when I was living on orbit, my last mission, I was up there for six months and and I get that question a lot. What what was your mission like? And, you know, people want an answer that's like one or two sentences. But I said, well, I said, you know what? I'm up here floating in space for six months. Let me try to figure out how to answer that question. And I started Mm. writing down the answer. And I was like, I was up to two pages long on the answer. And I'm like, okay, this cannot be answered in one or two sentences. Yeah. Because it's just too, it's just, it's like asking, how was your your, your, your six month vacation around the world? You know, like, well, it was great. And what are you going to say? But no, I do remember it very, very well. Uh, you train, when you train for a shuttle mission or any space mission, it's training is like very, uh, it's very uh, piecemeal. Mm. Go over here and train in the Ascent Simulator. Then the next day you go train for a spacewalk. Then you train for the entry. Then you train for an on-orbit. Then you train on how to eat. And then you train on how to go to the bathroom. And mm-hmm. it's all these different, it's like all these different pieces of a puzzle. And you don't, you never put the puzzle together until you actually execute the mission step mm-hmm. by step. So uh, what I remember is that when you when we flew the mission, I was getting to put all these puzzle pieces together and execute them in order. So that mm-hmm. was that was it was a really good feeling to be able to yeah. use my training. Now, from a perspective of when you first get in orbit, it's just it's just weird. You know, you, you're like oh, you're like hanging under the chair. You're like, oh, this is weird. You're floating and <laughs> floating in your face. Yeah. Everything goes the opposite direction of you want. You, you want you got a book, right? It, it's a tethered to you. You know, why is that book got to float right in front of your all the places? <laughs> you can it's right in front of your face. Like, like yeah. the book knows it's just trying to tick you off. <laughs> you push it out of the way and it hits you in the back of the head. And so everything is like against you because you're just fighting the environment. So you have to like, okay, slow down, calm mm-hmm. down. Interesting. Interesting. So, so, I, so given all, so given all that, when you see this stuff depicted in movies and TV yes, shows and everything, yes. what, what do you think, you know, what are you like, Oh my God, they're getting that wrong. Or, Ooh, they actually yeah. got it right. What, where, yeah. Well, usually they get it wrong, but that's why I tell them to call me, you know, <laughs> um, but it's okay. It's a movie. Right. And, mm-hmm. and like, whenever I do any consulting with these movie folks, I say, look, I'm going to tell you the reality, how really how life really is, but it, that doesn't mean you should use that material. Right? You're, you're trying to tell an exciting story. And watching a, a NASA space mission or any space mission, it's like watching grass grow. Let's face it. It's really, NASA takes something, the most exciting thing in the world, and NASA makes it boring. No offense to NASA, but they do. They're really good at making it boring. Um, so, you know, the, 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 the television and the movie folks, those writers and those screenwriters and all those folks, the, man, they make, they tell great stories, don't they? They're great at telling a really good story. And I always, uh, you know, I, I always envy it. I say, so you guys need to, you know, I could help you 
with realistic stuff, but you still need to tell a good story. So we mm-hmm. have to the truth a little bit. And so I, I, I expect that. What I don't like is when, like, you know, take the movie Gravity. You know, George Clooney's hanging on. Oh, let me go. Let me go. If Once you let him go, he ain't going anywhere. There's no forces on him anymore. He's just floating there, right? Where, where does he float away? Okay. <laughs> yeah. So you, you had said, mentioned one day, you know, that you had watched that movie, like, the day before you were doing an EVA. <laughs> Yeah, the day before I was doing a spacewalk, I you know I was you know you're trying to unwind, you're trying to get your brain, you know. Right, I feel like that's not the movie you. Watch. It was yeah. I, I told the I told the media I said well that was I watched it because that's how not to do a spacewalk. I was like whoever trained those people. <laughs> yeah. And, was, you, and yeah. you've done nine spacewalks, which is almost yeah. a record. That's. I mean, I, I find that to be incredibly impressive. And I think you, you've had to deal with some like real world, like real problems and, and stuff. Mm. Like I think one one was cut short due to a, a hole puncture and a glove. Yeah, right there. Wow. Right there. Yeah. 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 That, that, that's the stuff that, that really amazes me is the spacewalks. And and so, yeah. again, that's, that's also. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you, you didn't turn into Iron Man like uh, in The Martian. <laughs> Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> at the end, so what when they when they they had the Martian movie, I was down at JSC and they said, "Hey, JSC people, we're gonna have a special airing of the Martian before it's released." And we all go to this theater and we watch the Martian. And at the end, he's flying around, and I started laughing. I was like, "Oh, it's a comedy! This is great!" <laughs> and like, I'm like, "Oh, geez, it's not a comedy. They're serious about." Mm-hmm. But that's so. the kind of thing that, as someone who did it, and you're watching it and you're going, "No." No, that's wrong. No, that, that that's not how it happens. That's, that's yeah. just drama. That's just and the bad boring. part was they could have called me and I could have gave them a good rationale for <laughs> you know like we could have figured out some way to accomplish what they were trying to accomplish. Well, did how you did... read the book? The, the book handled it a little bit differently, and I think I, much better. I did read the book. I can't remember if I read the book first or after. I can't remember, mm. but I did read it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I read the book first and I remember thinking, knowing that the movie was coming out, I remember thinking, because there was a, so much glorious detail in the book. I remember thinking, like, oh my God, they're going to be taking out like half of the, you know, like so much of this detail yeah. to make the movie. That's how movies but, are, right? Yeah. 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 Chris, so, you, you had a question. Yeah. So this is going back to Brian's question. And I love my sleep. And I know if I'm stressed out, I can't sleep. And I'm just dying to know, like, the night before your very first mission into space, what is that like? What's your sleep like? Yeah. How do you function knowing that you're going to go to space in the morning? Yeah, yeah it's crazy. Yeah, it, it is challenging. Um, uh, you know, you, you, you try to get a lot of exercise, you know, to try to get yourself tired. You try to get your mind straight. And then the other thing that's hard is like on my first mission, we were doing a 12 hour sleep shift. So mm-hmm. we would sit in a room with basically you know like uh, the neat not the neon but the fluorescent lights imagine a ceiling inside a big room where it's 100 percent covered with fluorescent lights and so it's just like boiling your eyes because you know it's so warm in there you're you're, you're being dehydrated uh so the 12-hour sleep shift also made it horrible but uh you, you got to use help right you have to use a little ambien or, or something like that to knock you out uh, mm-hmm. in order to sleep but you really do Often when we, so two of my three shuttle missions, I had to do a 12 hour sleep shift. And when I launched, I was exhausted. I mean, it was just, it was just horrible to have to do that sleep shift. You do it over a period of a week and the flight docs got it all figured out in the way they do it. And in the way they do it is such that at the end of the week, you've basically gotten, instead of seven days of sleep, you've gotten six nights of sleep and now you're launching into space. And I was like, guys, 
this is wrong. <laughs> but they they swear that's what the science tells them to do. And I'm like, okay, science may be telling you that, but I'm telling you it's wrong. Wait, so, so can you describe like what a 12-hour sleep shift is? Yeah, so is you're it- going to bed at uh, 8 or 9 o'clock. You're going to bed at 9 o'clock in the morning, and you're waking up at, uh, you know, 10 and 11. 10, 11 o'clock at night, something like that. I for, or, or eight hours later, you know, four or five in the afternoon. I forget exactly the time because we were launching uh, on the, the first mission. We were launching at like 8 a.m. or something like that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you have to back up, you know, four or five hours before that. You got to mm-hmm. get suited up, you know, four or five hours before that. You got to get up and have breakfast and have four or five hours. Before. So you back it up. And so you're getting up at like nine or 10 o'clock at night. You're getting you're getting up instead of going to bed you're waking up. And so it's just gotcha. because of the alignment of the space station and the space shuttle and the launch pad and the day, you know, the day they picked to launch you. Your schedule is not your own. Wow. No, no. Every minute is accounted for, but yeah, ambient. Thank God for ambient. <laughs> um, I was, I'd follow up to Chris's question for that first mission. Were you, I mean, you never knew what the sensation of a launch into space was going to be like the reaction, the, the violent or the, you know, or even the thought I'm taking off and there is an explosion happening underneath me that can either end my life or make it glorious. Mm. And did, were you terrified or were you like, eh, no big no, deal? No. Well, so first of all, you do get some training, right? You go do a centrifuge and the centrifuge trains you, it does the space shuttle launch profile, for example. You know, it ramps up the it ramps up the G's, and then when the solid rocket boosters separate, the G's fall down, and then it ramps back up to three G's, and then you're holding three G's through your chest for like a minute, minute and a half. So you do you do get that uh, centrifuge training that helps. And then when you do the motion simulator, we had a motion simulator in Houston. You would get in like like, like the nose of the space shuttle, and they would turn you like this, and they would shake mm-hmm. you around. And, 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 wow. You know, it's not the same, but it's it's similar. So, okay. so like I said, so you do get some pieces that puzzle, those training pieces of the puzzle, you get some of those. Mm-hmm. So it's not totally foreign. And when you get in the vehicle, you've been in the so many simulators so many times when you crawl into that vehicle, you're like, oh, I've been here. This is not okay. strange. It's okay. not different. Yeah, I've been here. Hey, let's, mm-hmm. yeah, I know what the switch does. I know what that switch does. I know what everything does. But um, so. A lot of astronauts, I would, I've heard many, many astronauts say you leave half your brain on the, on the launch pad on launch day or on the ground when you launch. Mm. Uh, I did not feel that because uh, several reasons. One is I was very confident in the processing of the spacecraft. The folks at the Kennedy Space Center were highly capable. And I, you know, I owe them my life. Those technicians, those engineers who put that vehicle together and prepped it, man, they were, they were fantastic. Mm-hmm. So I had a lot of faith in them. I had a lot of faith in my crew. I, I was I was a space shuttle engineer, space shuttle flight controller. I knew everything about that space shuttle, <laughs> much more than the average astronaut, because I had 10 years of spatial experience before I became an astronaut. In fact, my, my classmates would make fun of me that we got a big stack of training manuals when we became astronauts. And, you know, I, I had written like, you know, 20 percent of them were written by me. <laughs> so they, they always make fun of me as hey, this one's written by you also, you know, so. <laughs> I had great uh, faith in myself and then as my crew mm. that any malfunction that happened, if we could deal with it in some way, then we would deal with it properly and we would be safe. Mm-hmm. But <clears throat> excuse me, if it was a malfunction, we couldn't do anything about, you know, just like, you know, a boom. Well, 
Yeah. Why, what, what am I going to do? I'm not worrying about that. I, I'm going to concentrate on my job. I'm going to have a good time. And I had a blast. And I, mm. my brain was running at 150%. I saw things on my mission that I never even saw in the simulator because my brain was like in the zone. Wow. Wow. Um, I, okay. I enjoyed it. I was giggling all the whole time up. Until <laughs> my- <laughs> That's great. That's great. Like like Riker and Jordy going up with Zephyr Cochran in first. Place. <laughs> Just, uh, you know. exactly. So, what's what's the wind down process like after your first mission and you're back yeah. home? Yeah. What's it like when you say you're you're going 150 mm-hmm. percent and then it's like okay your brains should Good go back question. to normal? Yeah, yeah, you got to take the trash out and do the dishwasher. Right. <laughs> like, like, whoa, I was in space yesterday. I don't understand these strange earthly ways. What is this trash? I don't understand it. Wait, don't you have like, trash to deal with on the space station too? It's zero G trash. It's much more exciting. Okay. It's like, it's like trash, Will yeah. Smith after I heard him tell the story after uh, – so whatever big film he uh aliens came what was the name of that film for crying out no not men in black independence day Day for crying out loud (laughs) he said said that movie you know uh, biggest film of the year in the premiere it happens and everything and he's like it's a blockbuster immediately he comes home and his mom says and he goes mom it's a big hit she went eh why don't you do those dishes yeah yeah. (laughs) exactly you know Mm -hmm. what you are you are like you're the prime crew before, you know, before the crew, you know, the crew before he goes up and they come back home, your prime crew, maybe your prime crew for three or four months, maybe it's mm. five or six months, whatever. But you're like treated like, you know, you're like royalty. You're like royalty. People are like, oh, what can we do for you? Okay, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm a big shot. I'm prime crew. <laughs> you walk out to the launch pad, you get on the vehicle, the solid rocket booster's light. Guess what? You're you're back in the line. <laughs> you're already back in the line. The mission's not even over yet. So you come home and it's like, Hey, I just got home from space. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Back in the line. Prime crew's coming through. Prime crew's coming through. <laughs> there is a great Big Bang Theory episode where Wallowitz, yeah. you know, he oh, was God, he was yeah. talking about how, you know, he he would insert, oh, I was an astronaut, like Oh everything. yeah, for like and then then Buzz Aldrin was like did a cameo at the very end where he was giving yeah. out like Halloween candy. He's like, he's like, you know, here's a Mars bar. I've been in space. Yeah. <laughs> it was a great- Sure. You know, I always joke with my kids, like someday I'm going to be working at Home Depot, you know, in the nail department. Right. And some was going to come up looking for nails. I was like, hey, it's the flying space. And they thought, OK, crazy guy, just looking for some nails. Like, you know, yeah. <laughs> Whatever. You were in space. But yeah. So, Chris, just to answer your question, it is it is quite a change from when you're mm-hmm. prime crew flying a mission. You come home, you are, you know, you're second class citizen again. Or, you know, normal, you like the rest of us. But then mm-hmm. do you find like you have to like even though you like you're saying like people are treating you differently, just like getting back to like being treated how you were before. But do you find because you were dealing with so many problems, it's hard to shut down your brain? It, it is. Yeah. But, you know, it's also you also been training hard and you had the mission and you may have been doing this for a year. Right. I saw shuttle mission would train for a year. So you're really ready for a break too, mm. spending a lot of time away from your family. So it's like working your ass off for a year. Mm. And then just coming home, like okay, I just need a, I need a few weeks off, uh, and just mm-hmm. let my brain spin down. And that's yeah. a good feeling. It's a good feeling, actually. So, so can I ask a question, Adina, again? Yeah. Is that allowed? Yeah, okay. of course it I'm is. I'm kidding. I know it's allowed. <laughs> yeah, it's your show. Yeah. Um. Uh. So, because we are the big sci-fi, I know Adina is probably planning on getting into this a little bit. But what is your? I want to know what your all-time favorite sci-fi show is, and your all-time favorite film is. Yeah. So it's hard. I don't have any specific. 
favorite, but I can give you a few, you know, a few yeah. examples. Um, yeah, some of the real corny ones. I mean, Independence Day was a corny movie, but you know, it was a good yeah. movie. Yeah, so it's, good. it's it's in our top five choices of, oh, of yeah. movies I, of I, all time. I even got to meet uh, was it Bill or who was the guy that was the president in that movie? Oh, um, Bill Pullman. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, Bill Pullman. He was. I don't know. We were doing a shuttle training simulator, and he was there watching us. And oh, we cool. I told him, hey, I mm-hmm. love your movie. Uh, but another example is was uh, I had to do a a suit run where you, you put on you put on your spacesuit and you have to sit in a vacuum. You have to gonna, you're going to go to a vacuum chamber and you have to pre breathe for like five hours or four hours or whatever the time three or four hours pre breathe the suit before you do the test. And so they say, hey, you know, bring in a movie or something. And it had this like, and you're in a vacuum chamber, yeah. And they have this like <laughs> really thick thick window and they got a tv and the other it's a little crappy tv on the other side of the window so oh, yeah we'll pop it a movie you kind of lean on the stool in your your eva spacesuit and watch a movie they bring in a movie and so you know you guys probably wouldn't guess but i brought in armageddon i was gonna ask about that <laughs> Hello. That's, we did a whole episode on armageddon called we did. the good the bad and the ugly <laughs> yeah it's a good movie it's Corny, so, so not close to realistic, but it's a good I movie. Love it. So does the does the whole drilling thing bother you? The whole it's easier to teach uh, yeah. drillers how to be astronauts. Don't you <laughs> wish you had a Gatling gun on the uh, space shuttle? Okay, Who like says that don't? movie. Who says we didn't? Who yeah. Says we didn't? Oh. <laughs> no, yeah, I love I love when they think astronauts are too dumb to run a drill. You know. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Or, it's just like, or when the, the Russian cosmonaut starts banging on the pipes yeah. like you're inside somebody's basement to fix the that was, yeah, that was the most accurate part of that movie, though. Right. <laughs> so, okay. So can we ask about our favorite movie of all time, Moonfall? Oh, yeah. No. Oh, no, no it's not. Oh, I Please tell me you didn't. It don't, don't, no. Oh, I, okay. I saw it on, uh, I don't know, Netflix or whatever what the heck was on, uh, I don't know three, four months ago, whatever that was. Yeah, it was, I don't even know if I understood it. It was pretty bad. Right. We tore oh. that one apart. That was, yeah. that one was the most was, ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, like, yeah. you know, again, Gravity, Armageddon, they're, they might be a little cheesy or something, yeah. or they might get some mm-hmm. things wrong, but they're good movies. I mean, they're, they're fun, fun movies. They're, you know, you can, you can watch. Moonfall was, was barely, barely watchable. Yeah. I mean, Gravity was a great movie. Gravity mm-hmm. was great. Yeah. The scenes, the space walking, it was pretty accurate if i remember correctly you know when they were just out there doing a little right spacewalk when the when she's jumping around and doing all that crazy stuff i mean that was just really bad uh spacewalk trainer but uh, it's a great movie you know it was mm-hmm. exciting and uh so. yeah it's kind of like a series of everything that could possibly go wrong yeah yeah in one yeah. mission <laughs> oh i so i got a good i got a good uh so when I, after i watched the movie i was talking to uh, the nbc guy brian Williams. He, we're doing oh, an interview. Yeah. I'm on orbit doing an interview. He's like, hey, I, he said, I heard, you know, the movie Gravity, you know, what do you think about that movie? I said, oh, it was good, you know, and yada, yada, yada. He says, well, who would you rather have in space, George Clooney or Sandra Bullock? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> My, I'm national TV. Not really knowing either of their skills in an astronaut, I probably have to lean towards Sandra Bullock. For, <laughs> I don't know if that made the error or not, but I, I think what... I think that that's a probably the right answer every day of the week. Um, I don't know. I I, I might go, go the other way. Yeah, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm Sandra Bullock, but like George Clooney with the with the Nespresso, like yeah. that's and his own Clooney. tequila. He has his own line of tequila, you know, and it's really very good. <laughs> <He doesn't. laughs> so 
so tell us about the expanse and and what did you what did you consult with and how how long did that like I, I want to know everything about the expanse. I I, I have a lovely yeah. relationship with the expanse. Yeah, I mean they um let me think back. I did a couple of talks to them. I went up to Toronto um, and visited the production up there. They were in season three, maybe. Mm-hmm. And I met with the uh, cast, mm. cast, yeah, the cast and the crew, mm-hmm. gave them a little talk, you know, showed them about, you know, showed them some of my mission videos and things like that. Kind of, kind of gave the crew, they were going to, you know, I, I talked to the crew about, uh, you know, what's it like floating in space? Cause you know, they, they have a lot of zero G scenes. Uh, mm-hmm. So they showed me some of what they were doing with their special effects and things like that. And they, I think they did a, a great job with mm-hmm. their special effects. And I love their, uh, their, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, I always loved a good science fiction story that wasn't too far in the future, right? Stuff that's yeah. like, wow, it's almost real. It's almost retainable in a way. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I spent a few days with them and uh, and that it really wasn't something where I was like on set uh, on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. Or anything like that. Okay. Yeah, no, that was one when, when the books came out, I read them before, you know, they, they right. turned into the TV show and um, my love hate relationship with it is it's, it's fantastic, but I was working on a novel that also took place uh, on a space station on Ceres. And so it just kind of killed my motivation for, even though uh, mine was very different, it just killed my motivation. So that's my, my love hate relationship. But I was something, what was that? Get a good lawyer. Yeah. They stole your idea. <laughs> no, <laughs> no other. Well, that's the thing is other than the locate, the, the semi near-term future and happening to be on series, there was nothing, nothing the same, you know? Right. So, but it just like, I, I felt like I was writing in a different place and everyone's writing in that place. So ah, it's, it's okay. Water under the bridge, but right. they did a great job. So what, yeah. el- what else have you, have have who else has called you? What else? What other shows have oh, given some advice? Well, I mean, it's kind of actually, I, I, the, the one of the producers of the expanse just called me like two hours ago. Uh, oh, wow. He's, he's going to be driving to Florida, and he's like, "Hey, yeah, maybe I'll stop in and see you." But I'm going to be in Houston next week, so I won't see him. But, um, but I actually, I, I worked with him on another uh, TV show. Um, I don't know if I'm allowed to say it. Be honest with you, it's, That's it's okay. yeah, it's coming out. It's so that one I was, I did not. Uh, I worked with them for two seasons, actually, and was uh, reviewing their scripts. Uh, I, you know, I helped give do a lot of the basic science up front in terms of, uh, you know, their concept is that, uh, you know, the faster than light speed, obviously, is a normal thing. And they use these Alcubierre bubbles, if I'm saying it correctly. Uh, and that TV show is, is uh, and I was just talking to this producer. He's the producer mm-hmm. for this other show. <coughs> Excuse me. And he says, it's in the can. It's ready to go. Both seasons are in the can, ready to go. And it's going to be uh, released pretty soon, so cool. I'm looking forward to that. Um, I, I did so. Uh, so last year, well, actually, almost two years ago, a year and a half ago, I did a TV show with Adam Sandler, uh, a, a movie, not a, a TV movie, I guess, a Netflix movie. Uh, it's called Spaceman. It's uh, it's uh, it's a, a short story by uh, uh, I forget get the guy's name, but uh, it's kind of a stranger movie. But uh, I did a bunch of consulting with them, and that was kind of funny because it's uh, um, it was they were having me do like Russian translations for them and things like that. I'm like, all right, you know, you hired me <laughs> as an astronaut only just because I speak Russian. I mean, you know, it's not really my strong point, but uh, mm-hmm. we were coming up with all figuring all the Russian acronyms and things like that. It's like it's about a Czechoslovakian astronaut mm-hmm. who goes to mm-hmm. 
Venus or something. And anyways, that movie's come out on Netflix this year. And I did get up to go. I went up to the fun part was I went up to Grumman Studios up in Long Island, where now, you know, the old where they build the limb is now a movie studio. And then, you know, I got to hang out with Adam Sandler for a couple of days and kind of teach him how to float in space and, and just work with the special effects guys and see how they, you know, how they do this. You know, they had them basically on a, uh, kind of like a like a pivot, like a seesaw kind of thing, where Adam Sandler's on one end and another guy's on another end, and kind of like you know, t- bang, twisting him up and down. Mm-hmm. And, forth. and I was just talk, kind of talking them through that. Hey, you got to be smooth. You can't just all of a sudden put a force into them unless they're pushing off of something. So, you know, just giving them basic, uh, you know, space one hundred and one type of things. But that lasted for several months. I mean, I started with those guys like at the beginning, like with the writers, and then went all the way through to the uh, the production guys. I mean, giving them labels on their on their set and things like that. So that was a full like end to end type of thing. That was pretty. That was pretty you know, exciting to do. So fun. we'll have to look for that when that comes out. Yeah, yeah, I've you know, written it, written it down. Yeah, it's uh, it's coming out on Netflix, and I was uh, I, I'm surprised it didn't come out last year. But you know, maybe it just didn't make maybe a lot of special effects delayed it. I mm-hmm. don't know. But it's coming out this year is what I read. It's called Space Man. You, you can look up the uh, in the on the news. It's in there. And, you know, the kind of the, the interesting part was if you ever saw the T uh, on HBO, they did uh, Chernobyl, uh, like a three or four or five part show. Oh, on Chernobyl. Yeah. 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 The guy who directed that directed this movie. And that Chernobyl show was great. If you guys haven't seen that. I mean, I it really I was having flashbacks of Russia while I was watching mm-hmm. that movie. It was really good. That's cool. So do you ever like, does you, does your family ever go, Hey, you were hanging out with Adam Sandler. Can I get an autograph or yeah. meet them? Oh, so what I do, I did a, um, we did a, we did a zoom meeting. I did a zoom meeting with Adam Sandler and, uh, and the, the director whose name I forgot now. Uh, and then, uh, I did it with uh, Mike Hopkins while I was on orbit. So we had like this four way zoom with Mike Hopkins on orbit, me here in my, uh, in my, my, spare bedroom study and <clears throat> Adam Sandler and we were doing a zoom meeting. And so I had, uh, my daughter was here and she would hurt with our, with our, with her little daughter, like a little one-year-old. I said, Oh, get, get next to the TV, get next to the camera. And I, I leaned back and I took a picture of him next to Adam Sandler. <laughs> oh, that's cool. <laughs> that's very cool. Uh, so yeah, I hooked up Adam Sandler with, uh, with an on orbit, uh, zoom call. Fantastic. And that's, that's interesting that you earlier said about, pre-breathing for four to five hours before you even get into a spacesuit and went into the vacuum. Right. Was that the same procedure you had to do on the space station when you did an EVA? Did you have to do a pre-breathing yeah. process before you were able to go outside? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You got it's basically just like scuba diving. You got to get the nitrogen out of your body. Mm-hmm. So there's different breathing techniques that we use um, when you're on the space. When when you when you dock to the ISS with the space shuttle, the breathing technique we used back then is we would we would camp out overnight in the uh, in the airlock. So we would isolate ourselves in the airlock. We would depress it down to 10.2 psi's so that you're breathing less oxygen, getting mm-hmm. less oxygen okay. to your body. Uh, or less nitrogen into your body. And then we would do some, we would pre-breathe on a mask for an hour before we did that. And then we would pre-breathe an hour later on. And then after all this, we would then suit up and then they would reopen the hatch once we were suited up in the Puro 2 environment. Wow. Then, then we came up with this technique called the exercise protocol where you would still, um, I think we still did pre-breathing on the mask for an hour. So then we would get in the suit. So we didn't have to do the camp out. And then when we were in the suit, we would like exercise, like 
kind of like just kick your mm-hmm. arms. You're, you're, you're hanging on a wall, so you're just kind of swinging your arms and swinging mm-hmm. your legs. It was very light exercise, but that exercise per the medical folks was enough to get more of the nitrogen out of your body. Wow. So there's a lot of different types of pre-breathing you could do. So um, whenever you see a movie and you see the people jumping in their spacesuits and they put on their helmets and they boom, into the airlock and they go out in the space, it ain't going to happen. Well, you know, so you're right. It's not going to happen, but it depends on some things. So mm-hmm. this, the space suits that we use uh, on uh, on orbit now, you go down, you're, you you operate at a four four 4.3 PSI. So it has to be very low pressure. Otherwise, you're like, you know, you're like the, the, the Michelin tire man, right? You're just a big <laughs> balloon animal. You mm-hmm. can't move because the pressure is so, you know, if you had 14 PSI in there, you couldn't move, you couldn't bend the suit. Mm-hmm. But if it's, if there's a suit that is a different kind of suit uh, mm-hmm. where it's more it's more hard shell and more mechanical. You can have it at higher pressure. You don't need to pre-breathe because you're not at such a low PSI. Or if it's a different kind of suit where now they're trying to look at suits that are like like a like a scuba diver thing. Like it's a mechanical pressure. It squeezes your body mm-hmm. with mechanical pressure instead of atmospheric pressure. So there's, you know, you could come up with a story that says, hey, I don't want to have to have do a pre-breathe. So you have to mm-hmm. just have a different kind of suit in your story is what I tell these folks. Was that like the uh, the G suits that were yeah, used so. in the 50s and the 60s that put the pressure? Of, yeah. That, but now you got to do it over your whole body, though. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's kind of okay. hard to get. How do you get into that thing? Right. It's kind of like, uh, you know, the superhero movies, like, you know, when Spider-Man puts on his baggy outfit. Right. And he's, he punches a button and the suit goes, you know, it kind of mm-hmm. shrink wraps on him. You need a shrink wrap suit. And if you had that and it's pushing on your body hard enough, then you don't need a pre-breathe. Your body has that gotcha. compression. Um, so it's different things. Interesting. Well, I do want to be mindful of the time. Okay. So I'm going to say, Brian, Chris, or Steve, do you guys have any final last minute questions oh or, or thoughts you want to share? No, I, I appreciate your time, sir. It's an honor having you on our podcast. And yeah, best of luck to you in the future and all of your endeavors and pun intended. Hey, <laughs> I've got I had one shuttle. last question on yeah. my list Go ahead. that I wrote down to Adina, which is. If you could go to the moon or Mars, would you? Yes. You're only 62. <laughs> I made a mistake to Adina. Well, John Glenn flew on the on the shuttle when he was 77. So if they called you up tomorrow and said, "Hey, Rick, you want to go for another ride?" Would you? Yeah, of course I would, but it would be hard to say no. I might my wife would slap me, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's um yeah, absolutely. But I, you know, one of the reasons why I left NASA was because I did everything that I could do when I was mm-hmm. there. I never thought I would leave the astronaut office. Never thought I would leave the astronaut office because why would I, right? Greatest job in the world. But I did. I flew with the three space shuttles. I went to, I built the space station. I did all these spacewalks. I flew on the Soyuz. I learned Russian. I went up on mm-hmm. Soyuz, down on Soyuz, lived there for six months. I checked mm-hmm. every box I could check. Now, I could have hung around for a few more years and did a commercial crew flight. And go live on space station for six more months and it ain't really a lot of boxes there to ride mm-hmm. on a vehicle that has like one button <laughs> and it's not hooked up to anything so <laughs> it's not really a challenge so um it's great nice little safe vehicle that has absolutely almost zero you know control sure. from the crew. Sure. Uh, but if the lunar missions were just slipping further and further and further and further out and i was just like uh, I, I don't i don't want to invest six, eight, 10 years of my life in the hopes that someday I might get a mission that, you know, orbits the moon or does something like that. I said, mm-hmm. I got to go different. 
Cool. Okay. Thank Very you. Good. Awesome. Thank you so much. Uh, yeah. Rick, thank you. Yeah. I, I just want to thank you for taking time yeah. out of your yeah. ridiculously busy schedule to talk yeah. to us for, for a bit. So you are now my officially my favorite astronaut colleague right now. <laughs> oh, <geez. laughs> or or you're tied oh. with your time. Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> don't, don't tell, don't tell Dan. Yeah. yeah, don't don't tell Dan. I'm gonna so, tell him tomorrow. <laughs> or you can tell him tomorrow. The only reason he's not here is he told me he he's not so much of a sci-fi fan, but he he's pretty awesome too. Well, to our listeners, I want to say as always, we would love to hear your thoughts about going into space or representing real life space and science fiction, or just anything else with your favorite sci-fi. Join us at the Big Sci-Fi Podcast Facebook group to share your thoughts and comment on this episode, or send us an email at thebigsci-fi-podcast at gmail.com. And I would like to thank all of our faithful, faithful listeners and members of our Facebook group for being such awesome supporters of the show. You are the reason we keep getting together via Zoom to record these episodes weekly. So until next week, stay well, and we look forward to going with you where few podcasters have gone before. Mm-hmm.